for granted he could get. What's funny? he demanded. The older man, Larrabee, the manager, answered without hesitation. It isn't customary to refer to such jewels as stuff, sir. Okay, sport. How much are those jewels in the window? I'm afraid no price has been set upon them, Larrabee answered. Don't give me that, the man said in annoyance. This is a shop, isn't it? It is indeed, sir. And those goods are in the shop window. They are on display prior to auction, Larrabee informed him. They are part of the late Duke of Alder's insignia, and the Duke was a friend of Mr. Mannering. The stranger's eyes flashed his question before his lips uttered it. Who is Mannering? The owner of Quinn's, sir. What's Quinn's, sport? This establish... this shop, sir. The inquisitive visitor frowned so that his eyes lost a little of their brightness, but for an instant only. The next moment he threw back his head and gave a deep roar of laughter, and such was the nature of the man that obviously he was laughing at himself. He shifted backward a little and leaned against a bow-shaped Queen Anne dressing table, also part of the Duke of Alder's estate. A dozen duchesses had sat in front of that dressing table and preened themselves in the small wing mirror which stood on top of it. So, I can't read, the caller said, and the laughter died away into a chuckle. This mannering sport. Yes? Is he in? I'm not sure, sir. Can't you find out? Very quickly, sir, but I myself may be able to give you any information you require. Not a hope, said the visitor. I want to know the price of those jewels in the window. Larrabee hesitated, glanced at the nearby assistant, looked back at the caller, and asked, I will find out if Mr. Mannering is in, sir. What is your name, please? Brutus. I beg your pardon? You got it right, sport. Brutus. Think of Caesar? Larrabee looked at him pensively, then smiled almost deprecatingly, turned away, and said, I won't keep you long, Mr. Uh, Brutus. He walked sedately the length of the long passage, carpeted with Persian runners of great price, and disappeared behind what appeared to be a partition. This partition was in fact the back of a Welsh dresser, which some said had once graced Harlech Castle. Behind it, on the flat dresser surface, were papers, telephones, reference books, and files. On the right was a narrow doorway, beautifully arched, of centuries-old oak. This door was closed. Larrabee picked up a telephone and said quietly, I am sorry to worry you, sir. That's all right, Josh, a man responded. What is it? May I come in? Yes, said John Mannering into his telephone. In one minute. He was in a small office, approached through the doorway, standing by an opening in the floor in the corner diagonally opposite the door. A flight of concrete steps led down from this opening, which was about a yard square, to the strong rooms beneath. 
where most of Quinn's most valuable stock was housed. Mannering had just been down to these strong rooms to put away a set of tie masks. Now he moved a book on a shelf above the opening and pressed a spot on the wall beyond it. A faint whirring sound followed, and the opening began to grow smaller as a section of the floor itself moved. In a few seconds, it had disappeared, and it was almost impossible to see the joins. Mannering kicked a rich Mesaw carpet into position for further concealment and stepped to his Queen Anne desk, bow-shaped like the Alder dressing table. He pressed a button beneath the edge of the desk, and there was a faint click. Almost at once, the arched door opened, and Larrabee came in. Hello, Josh, Mannering said. Who's out there? A Mr. Brutus, sir, said Larrabee. From Australia, I believe. Mannering frowned. Do we know him? No.